Hey everybody, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast for Thursday, May 25th, 2017, also known as National Missing Children Day. Oh no. <laughs> that's, that's not something that's to dark. celebrate. I know, normally, that's, you know. It's really dark. Everyone check your phone for Amber Alerts. And, yeah. uh, no. <laughs> you know, normally I like to make a joke at this part, but as a dad and a human being, I know that there's nothing funny about missing children, so, well... I guess except maybe some of those pictures on the back of the milk cartons. Some of those are kind of goofy, right? They don't, don't still know. they don't still do those anymore, <laughs> do they? So. No, I, I think because we I, can't put it. on I don't think plastic. I've ever seen one in my life. Oh, uh, that's before Mike's time. Yeah, it was it was pre pre Mark yeah. <laughs> PM. Yeah, that's that's an interesting day to have. Uh, yeah, I know. Well, you know, I guess it brings I, awareness. I'm curious who's lobbying for that. Someone had to like really put an effort to say, listen. There's not a day out there for missing children, and we need to. We, we need to got have a talk national like a day pirate for that. Day. I well, guess it's, just bring. It's not bring a holiday, so it it's not like no, there's like that's a, true. It's not like there's a government decree. <laughs> I mean, they right. gave me the day off work today, but I think <laughs> yeah. that was a coincidence. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's get this show started. All right, all right. So anyway, I'm uh, Chris Salmoni from Four Eyes Furniture, and with me, as always, Mike Montgomery from Modern Builds. Hey, everybody. And Ben Ueda from Homemade Modern. Hello. How you guys doing? I'm doing great. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I like Getting back into it. the swing of things. Nice. Oh, yeah? So yeah. I guess uh should we just hop into what we're working on? I know Let's you got really, a new video, right, Mike? I do yes, I do. I put out a guitar, which was a lot more intimidating going into it than it ended up ever needing to be. Mm-hmm. Uh I just built I talked about it I think in our last episode, but it was yeah. a is a Telecaster and Jazz Master combo. I had a couple comments where people called it a telemas or a telemaster. Nice. And I kinda like that. I kinda like offset telecaster too. I don't know. Pick your choice. Jazzcaster? But, ooh, that might actually be the best one. There yet. it is, baby. Take it, Fender. I know. First one's free. <laughs> yeah, for real. First one's free. But yeah, it came out really cool. Um it plays well, which I'm obviously happy with, and the video was fun to make. So I've been getting good feedback. Not an overwhelming amount of views, but the people that are watching it have been uh really, really nice about it. So Nice, yeah. yeah, I checked it out last night and I enjoyed it as well. I liked seeing you. Did you uh now did you write that song specifically for the video or you already had that one or uh, I, yes, I didn't write it with that guitar. I wrote it while I was building the guitar. So I recorded mm-hmm. all of it. And then once I got the guitar done, I just, just laid the last track. Yeah. I just redid the guitar parts. So nice. Yeah. It was pretty, yeah, it was it was a cool pretty fun little build. Yeah. So now I'm transitioning. I've got a, Ooh, actually this is going to be like a little two minute segment. Okay. I got a video sponsored by Ancestry DNA coming out. What? Ooh, that was it. <laughs> yeah, I got that's our ancestor DNA jingle. Yeah, that's the jingle. But uh, yeah, I got a video with them coming out, which is really cool because I got to obviously do the DNA thing. Uh-huh. And they're, they're going to tell you you're white. Yeah, that's, I was about to just say, and I found out you're I'm all very kinds of European. <laughs> yeah. Um, Any famous ancestors or anything? Do what? Any famous ancestors or anything? You know, uh, there's like a little story in my family. Apparently, I'm related somehow to John Adams. I don't know the Uh significance there, but apparently my grandma did a really extensive family tree, and she was really proud of that. Uh, Nice. I don't know. I wasn't as crazy hype about it, but hey, it's a, it's a cool fun fact if I need it. Are they doing like a full, like you spit in a thing? And- yeah, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize it, but it takes a few weeks to get all that in. So I, I sent it out about a month, month and a half ago, and I just got it back this week. Um, so apparently I know, 
I what I knew going into it was I should have some Irish uh, on my dad's side. He thought was German um, and Irish. My mom thought it was Irish. So, and so this English. is good. You're going to like go down. You're so tell us what you think you are. And yeah, then we'll find exactly. Out. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And I don't want to give away everything because that is yeah. part of the video. But um, it kind of reinforced that I'm very because they break it up into regions, essentially. So in Europe, uh-huh. uh, there's Irish English, Iberian Peninsula, which is Spain and Portugal, and then Western European. So kind of like Germany, Netherlands, mm-hmm. Austria area, that and Italy, I guess. That kind of yeah. all gets lumped together. But it turns out I'm very Western European. Um, so I'm going to tie into that with... Uh, are you guys familiar with Bauhaus? I think that's how you say it. Yeah. Ba- yeah. B-A-U. Yeah. Uh, that whole like design movement. I want, I want the build to be somewhat influenced by the results of the DNA uh test uh so i'm kind of using that as my inspiration kind of guideline so i'm going to be making a Bauhaus uh, slash nelson inspired bench with a built-in end table i think i was talking to you about it chris yeah at some point with with the whole leg design so yeah about halfway done with that last week yeah i've made the whole bench part of it and table part and all i got left to finish it up is the leg assembly so it should be a cool video, and that should be coming out, hopefully, by the time you're listening to the podcast. So go check That's it sweet. out. Let me know Those what you think. <laughs> two videos in quick succession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I had like a two-week dry spell there, so I'm mm-hmm. kind of trying Make to pump them out quick time. now. Yeah. Nice. I, uh, so for me, I, I, for the weekend show coming up, I interviewed the real Mark, not the yeah. fake Mark here. So Mark Spagnolo from The Wood Whisperer, or awesome. AKA The Wood Whisperer. The one and only. Yeah, it was a it was cool to get to meet him because you know I've like he was like the first YouTuber that I really watched, so it was kind of surreal. And it's funny now that I listened back to it, you can. T- I mean, I always talk fast, I think, but I was like really like speeding through <laughs> my words in this. I think I had like some adrenaline going or something. Fanboy action. Yeah, I was yeah. nervous, I guess. But no, no it was cool. We that. like uh, I really tried to make sure that I didn't hit the same things that I know he's answered a thousand times. So we talked yeah. about like comedy and Seinfeld and then of course we got into woodworking and making but yeah it was it was a, a really cool thing to get to do so perfect and that one's coming out on Saturday on, right yeah this Saturday so in uh, two days from now everybody will get to listen to that one um, nice. other than that for the modern Nelson bench this has been like the longest quick project ever like I really haven't done that much work on it so last Friday I finally got to take it in to get the pattern routed in the top um and so I didn't think this would happen. I don't, I don't know if it was a problem or if this always happens, but so it was a big, thick, you know, like two inch piece of, of maple, which is really hard, but <laughs> it burnt quite a bit on the inside, even though they took very shallow passes and a lot of them. And I was like, oh man, what am I going to do about this? Like, there's no way I'm going to sand in between every single one of these little slats. Yeah. So then I was like, well, maybe I'll just paint it instead. So I'll just I was already going to do the the base black, which I ended up not painting the base black. I'll talk about that later, though. Um, but I so what I did was I spray painted the inside of all the slats black, and oh. obviously that there's going to be a lot of overspray in that. And I'm sure I'm going to get some comments like, "Oh, why didn't you just tape off the top?" But uh, that would take the, forever. That's what that pattern was on your your Instagram. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what that pattern is. So that would take forever to try to tape that off, and I don't think you would get you. I don't think you would stop all the paint from getting in there. So. What's the point? So anyways, I've been doing a lot of sanding for this. I even went out and bought a uh, uh, Ryobi, uh, a, uh, what's it called? Belt sander. 
I never had oh, a belt yeah. sander before. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, this is a good time to go get a belt sander so I can get a little aggressive with this stuff. So did that. Then I worked my way. So now I was on the random orbit sander last night. And then one of my pads ripped. So I had to order more. <laughs> oh, no. So, yeah, like the actual like cushiony part that the that the sandpaper oh, sticks yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, I never had that happen before. So I'm going to start like I think that's just a good lesson to have for things like that that can like put a halt into your work. Just have extra. So I just ordered like three of them so that if it ever happens again, there's an extra one sitting there. I'm going to try to start thinking of saw blades the exact same way. I don't know if you guys yep. do anything like that. A little fun fact on that, because I had that happen to me just on my palm sander. Because I don't know uh-huh. what it is. I, I like quarter sheet palm sanders. It's just, mm-hmm. I don't know. But I had the pad on mine like get all ripped and half disintegrated. And <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, oh, dang, I need to keep going. Masking tape. I just did like five layers of masking tape in like mm. a crosshatch pattern. And that kind of gave me like enough padding that none of the screws or any yeah. of the plastic was making a weird surface. So mm. in a pinch, Oof. that might save yeah. you or someone I, listening. What yeah, I ended I've up used, doing... Oh, go ahead. I've used a flex seal to repair those pads mm. before too for the non like hook and loop ones. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That's what I was... Yeah. I forgot the, the random orbits. They got the Velcro on the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about just trying to like glue it together somehow so I could keep using it a little bit, but I was like, oh, yeah. forget it. Like it was already <laughs> nighttime. I just switched and I just did the side parts that I was going to have to do by hand anyway. So I don't know. I probably spent an hour and a half just sitting out there hand sanding stuff last night. So, so fun. got a good little workout. <laughs> yeah. Nice. What, what do you got going, Ben? Um, posted a couple videos. So uh, the first one, uh, I've gotten a lot of requests for since I build most of my stuff in in my loft these days, like a lot of people have asked to see or to get a tour of the loft. So uh, about six months ago, I shot a TV show with Vice uh, China. Uh, so I, you're probably familiar with like Vice Media and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Well, they're, they're doing a show. It's going to air in the U.S. too eventually, but it's airing in China first on the future of homes. So it's all about technology, robots, uh, and how that's going to change the way we work and live. And so they actually did a part about a third of an episode on my loft. So they shot this really awesome tour. And so what was really cool is that normally when you work with like TV or media, they're like super stingy about the footage. Yeah. Um, but they're like, no, here's the footage. Just, uh, include a link to the show. So I actually have like a six minute tour on my second YouTube channel. Yeah, that was really cool. I saw it pop on my pop up on my subscription feed, and I thought when I clicked it, I was going to see like a 360 tour because you were talking about that last week. And then I saw that it was the the Vice clip, which I had actually looked for because I think you put it on Instagram or something a few days ago, like on your yeah. story. Yeah. So I went to the Vice China website, but all of the Chinese made it really hard to find <laughs> the video. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, it was kind of cool because I mean it was it was so well produced and everything, the video aspect of it. So yeah, it was I know really cool. it was yeah, it was really cool to see how they. I mean, they made everything look great. I mean, I, I did clean the house like really well, <laughs> but much more than it normally is, as you can see behind me. Right. Uh, but uh, so that video is out on my second channel. I just posted today another video on that channel, which was the lecture that I gave at the Autodesk Build Space for their first ever design night. Um, so uh, it's pretty much a it's like a 25 minute lecture, and it basically covers like my whole sort of professional history from architecture to tech companies and to what I'm doing now, and sort of just explaining the thinking and the the different sort of uh, uh, challenges that I faced that sort of kept me sort of trying different things. 
So two videos on my both on my second channel. Uh, be sure to check them out. Uh, in terms of what I've been working on, I right now I smell like smoke and forest because <laughs> uh, I was just testing out the Swedish torch and the homemade camp stove that I made out of an old circular saw blade. Came out really good. I just finished eating a steak that I cooked on it. Um, so <laughs> that was a lot of fun. fun. It tasted normal? Yeah, no, it tasted tasted great. It tasted like like it was cooked on like pine log. I was about uh, to say, which, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, Smoky. So, that, so I'll start editing that video this week. And then the other thing, and probably the most interesting thing that I'm working on right now, is I'm, I'm trying to buy a castle. Um, so Aren't we all? Uh, Aren't yeah. we? <laughs> yeah, for real. So I've been thinking for a while about uh, the, the, the biggest limitation that I have to what my business is now is just not enough space. Um, so I've been, you know, I've always liked the idea that I'm sort of building everything for my, for my loft, but my loft is pretty well furnished now. And these days I'm giving away a lot of the extra pieces or just upgrading current ones and giving away the old ones. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really interested in acquiring a really big space, but I want to be something interesting too. So, (laughs) uh, I, I was looking at two spaces this week, and they're both in totally different parts of the country. Um, one was a firehouse in St. Louis, um, which was just awesome. Yeah. Um, but uh, it got uh, somebody purchased it uh, like before I could even get an offer in on it. And then the second one is, which I'm going to visit next week, um, is a it's a giant Masonic lodge in like upstate New York. And I'll, I'll put a picture of it on uh, our Instagram channel because it's, it's pretty cool. But it's it's only listed for like $320,000 and because it's in this tiny little town. Uh-huh. But it's like it's, it looks like Hogwarts or some sort of <laughs> big castle. Nice. And it's like 12,000 square feet. And there's actually a ceramic studio uh, in the basement. Oh, wow. So that's cool. It would, it would need some work, but uh, I can do that. So. Um, I have a feeling that someone might swoop in before me and make an all cash offer, uh, and like turn it into a bed and breakfast or something like that. So I'd say it's not, you know, I'm, if it, if it's in good condition, I'm going to make an offer on it. Um, and, uh, I have a, a group of, uh, of investors that's, that's, uh, been sort of said that they would support a project like that. So I, I sort of pitch it to them and they're like, yeah. So how do you make buying a castle profitable um, if you're not going the bed and breakfast route? Yeah, so tax the citizens. The, what, be the what I was sort of th- what I was sort of thinking is, uh, I think I want to create sort of. Are you familiar with what like a, an incubator is for tech yeah. companies? Mm-hmm. So I want to create one for designers, makers, and artists. Wow, so, like Silicon okay. Valley. Yeah, sort of like that. <laughs> it's going to be the um, Ehrlich. <laughs> and I actually yeah. think doing it in a remote location is what's needed. So I think there's a lot of people that have an idea of maybe they want to start a YouTube channel or maybe they want to, they have an an idea for a really cool design of a product or a piece of furniture, or they have a really great idea for an art installation, but they can't really, you know, they're, they're they're juggling with dealing with their day job, paying rent and all those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So I really like the idea of getting a big space in like a town that's where everything's much more affordable. So not a glamorous city, not New York, not Boston, not San Francisco or LA. Um, but in a little town where there's no distractions, but where I could sort of have a whole workshop, film studio, all those kinds of, you know, those sort of, uh, uh, all that infrastructure. And then there's also sort of like bunk rooms and dorms where people could stay. Um, and I'd probably do like a, you know, you'd sort of commit or sign up for like a 
two or three months stay at a time. It'd be like really, really cheap rent with like access to the workshops included. So you could sort of like have everything sort of taken care of, have it cost like nothing, you know, maybe something like 500 to $800 a month or something like that. Yeah. But you could just have access and you could just give it a shot. And if hmm. it works, great. But you're not, so someplace where you could sort of ease the pressure of sort of a, a right. rent and equipment and all that stuff, but still try something to, that will really make a name for yourself. So yeah. this is where I want the listeners to sort of uh, crowdsource it. So I'm not sure if I'm going to get this thing. I'd say it's probably less likely than likely because I, th- I think this thing will probably be, go- be gone before I can get up and check it. So if you see any cool pieces of property out there that are sort of under, you know, anywhere between, you know, or anything under like $500,000, it could be empty property, like on an old quarry or something like that with cool geographic features. It could be a really cool old building, um, firehouses, castles, old churches are all, (laughs) are all things I'd be interested in. Um, uh, hit me up on Twitter or DM me or send me a link on Facebook or Instagram. And uh, that would be super helpful. And it doesn't really matter where it is. Um, I'm also looking at this program in Italy uh, where they're actually uh, the government, because they're dealing with low population, is trying to give away some some really cool old buildings. Yeah, I saw an article where they're just like giving away castles. It's a little more complicated than that. Like you yeah. have to show like a plan to revitalize it, and <laughs> well, I, I would assume it's just like, hey, I want his dibs. Whoever calls two. it first gets it. <laughs> and basically, what they're saying is, within that plan, they want to see that you're going to be investing a lot of money into the space to make it nicer uh, yeah. and bring people there. So, if you know of any cool properties anywhere in the U.S. or or even abroad, but mostly the U.S., uh, send them over to me. I, I would love to take a look and uh, see if we can crowdsource a. Uh, this search for you know my next big workshop. Right on. That would be really really cool. Yeah, Chris. What's our topic Let's this go. week? Here we go. I guess. All right, so. I don't know. I, I, I was I was struggling finding a transition there. I don't know how you go from castles to whatever we're about to talk about next. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a no no uh, segue needed. Let's just say that this week there kind of is no topic. There's we're just going to do our five star questions. So that's because we got uh, a lot of them. We, yeah, we've had a, a recent swell of five-star reviews, and all of the people asked questions, so we said, hey, let's just bust through them. Yes, but so, before we do that, you guys ready? because... Oh, before. No, because rewarding five-star reviews, really any review, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be five stars, is a good thing. And another way of rewarding reviews is we got some stickers, some Modern Maker podcast oh, yeah. stickers, which all look really, really cool. Check our Instagram if you haven't, or if you want to see them. Um, but we want to have a way of giving them away and we figured the easiest or maybe not the easiest, but the most beneficial on our end for the least amount of effort on your end, uh, (laughs) is give us a review, screenshot it and email us your address, like where to ship the sticker and we'll give it to you for free. That's all you got to do. If you've already given us a review, just tell us you already gave us a review, give us your address and uh, yeah, I'll put it in an envelope and send it your way. So if you're a person that is into collecting stickers and whatnot, do that. This is the one to have. Yeah. It's a really cool one. I'm not going to lie. Chris Chris designed it. It looks very sleek. I'm not going to lie. It's my best work yet. <laughs> best thing I've done in life. Yep. All right. Now All right, let's get to go. the questions. Sorry. All for right. That. Here we go. First one comes in from another mic. The real Mike. Now you're not, you know, you have no identity anymore, Mike. I'm you're not, not the, the real, real Mike. Mike. You're not the real Mark. Golly, this is Mike Uway. I? <laughs> I don't know. 
So he says, what do you think is a common misconception that people have about you when it comes to being a woodworker slash maker? P.S. I've listened to podcasts for five years and this is my first ever review. So you should feel special. Ooh, wow. Okay. We do feel special. I mean, I guess I can go first because I kind of have one off the top of my head is I get sure. a lot of comments where people think I'm a lot better than I really am. And that oh, you son of a. I know that's what you're going to take. I know that's the easy one. So I wanted to get it out there quick. Damn you. People are always like, man, this is perfect. Or which was one of the reasons that I've been trying to show a little bit more of the mistakes that I'm making in my videos, like with the guitar, where I had my bridge kind of get off center a tiny bit. And I had a little Mm -hmm. bit of my routing showing. I could have really easily just put some, whether it's like wood filler or some kind of stucco in there. And just painted over it and made it look real nice and no one would have ever known. But I figured it's whenever I have the opportunity where people can benefit from it, I think it's a good idea to show some mistakes to kind of give people a little bit more confidence or just let them know that, A, I'm not perfect and really no one on YouTube is perfect. And that, you know, you don't need to be perfect either because everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. See, you did take mine. I was going to, I was going to say the common misconception that I get is that everyone thinks that Mike is better than he is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. No, yeah. I was, I was going to say that about me, but I guess I'll, I'll switch mine up and say, and this kind of goes back to last week, I guess, but I think that people think that my personality is more serious and more pretentious oh, probably, yeah. or uh, I, w- I wouldn't have said more somber, maybe. Yeah, I wouldn't have said pretentious, but I definitely would have thought prior to meeting you and talking to you a lot is that I would have thought you were a lot more like low tempo kind of guy, like a real. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of am. Like, I, you know what it is, is I think I'm a weird mix of of sh- very shy. And then once I get comfortable around people like very goofy. <laughs> but yeah. if you put me in a situation where I don't know people like I just pretty much like shut down. Like I, I, I just don't talk and I can even tell a lot when I listen to our podcast that a lot of times when I'm talking, I'm like really trying to shut up. Like I'm trying to like get to my point really quickly and then be like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. But I, don't, I think I'm getting more comfortable doing it and more comfortable around you guys. So now I'm probably being a little bit more of the real me, but that's good. yeah, that's all I could come up with since you stole mine. Mike. No, I like it. I, I don't. I don't know. I, have, I haven't really gone around uh, asking people too much what their what their conceptions of me uh, are. I think probably out of some uh, fear of the response. But I think, like on, on on the most surface level, I think people are always surprised that uh, I think they think I'm younger than I am. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I'm 38 and round round in the corner <laughs> in on 40. Close so it's in. Like, yeah, even on like when I gave the presentation at Autodesk, they're like, "Wow, you've done a lot," and I'm like, "Well, I'm old." Uh, or, <laughs> I've been around the block you know. once or twice. Yeah, so. I, this probably ties into that, but I can say that from watching you for a while before I ever like really knew about you personally or met you. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that surprised me most, like when I saw like your Ted talk and then got to know you was, yeah, just how much you've accomplished. And I think that ties into that. I probably thought you were younger than you were like, you know, I just thought you were just some guy in a spare room throwing stuff together. Yeah. Well, I I am that guy too. (laughs) (laughs) I was just other, I was just other guys before. And I think, you know, in, in sort of a segue, I think that's what's, what's sort of interesting about what we're all doing now is that, you know, this, this is there's a commonality. I mean, we're all in different parts of the the country at different ages, but we we have this commonality, not just in making, but of like sharing the ideas on YouTube. And, you know, even if we're at, you know, 
uh, Chris, you're married with kids. Uh, yep. uh, even though we're all in sort of like different stages, uh, it, it's it's kind of cool to see you know this sort of uh, this sort of common this sort of common link. Yeah. And on a greater note, outside of the podcast, I think that's uh, what we see sort of resonating well with uh, with the sort of our audience, with the with the greater community of which our audience is a part of, um, is that. There's a lot of people that are that are looking for creative outlets. They're looking to be in a little bit more control of making their own stuff, or a lot of people that are just uh, uh, enjoying, you know, uh, uh, a little little weekend woodworking. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, despite all those uh, sort of demographic differences, it's it's pretty cool that uh, we all share some common ground and. I think we all share the same misconception that we're all a lot better craftsmen than we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. All right. Should we hop into the next one? This yeah. one comes from Josh Makes. It says, I've been debating getting into the YouTube content game seriously. I worked for a major blog for a bit creating content, so I have some experience, but now I want to create my own persona. I'm curious of your opinions on if there needs to be another maker channel need no um but <laughs> if he wants to he should right yeah there, there is no need for any of the things we do we, we did right. them all because we wanted to and because we enjoy it and we saw a business opportunity emerge from that enjoyment um so i would say if his expectation you know if I, th- I would guess that his question is more like is there still time for me to turn this into a business or am I so far behind all these people that I sort of watching is that sort of ship sailed? Um, and if I was to guess, I would think that that's the more of the actual question. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and for, for me, it just says that depends if you got, if you got good ideas, if you're good at executing, if you have a little bit of discipline, a lot of drive, no, it's not too late. You absolutely can do it. And the, the one sort of specific helpful point I would say is everything's not been done yet. There are a ton of ideas that haven't been done, or you can take older ideas and do a localized regional spin on them. Um, there's so many different, this, you know, all, all these road trips that I've been taking for, for Acura have sort of reminded me how broad and diverse this country is. There's so many different cultures and uh, types of buildings and types of landscapes and types of materials that are available in different regions of the U.S. Mike, you were talking about it with a two-by-four challenge. You're getting sort of southern yellow pine, and me and Chris are getting mystery whitewood, right? Um, <laughs> there, there's all these different regions. So do what's unique with the things around you um, and go for it. Um, but if you're looking for an easy way out or a sure thing, then... <laughs> That's not what this is. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think a lot of it is just finding something, a way to be unique. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty of live edge coffee tables with hairpin leg videos out there. So as long as you can what? find a way to do something cool to get yourself out there, if you are trying to turn it into like a business idea instead of just like a personal hobby type of thing, just find a way to be different than other people and to make cool content that people want to watch. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a, does the world need another Starbucks? No. But can that Starbucks pop up and serve people? Absolutely. Exactly. So I kind of had what you were getting at too, which is, you know, what's unique about you? What can you do? And I think that also goes beyond even making unique things, but just finding a new way to present it. Like, you know, when I started doing it, I didn't think that I'd be able to make unique projects every time. And you can't always do (laughs) unique projects. There's going to be projects that I make that are going to be similar to other people's. But 
if I can present it in a different way and have different insights on it, then there's still room for me. This is kind of tangential to the question, but I, one thing I was thinking about this week was like, sometimes you get questions about who your favorite YouTubers are, who you think like the best makers in the space are or whatever. And one thing that I've thought about as I've gotten more into it is just like how much more respect I have for everybody that does it. Because I think the the common thing that no matter if you like them or you don't like them, anybody who's like has any kind of success in this space, you have to be good at what you're doing. Yeah. So if you have confidence that you're good and you do have something new to share, then I think there's absolutely space. I agree. I think, I think we all agree. <laughs> if you really want to do it, I mean, that's all there is to it. Yep. So what's our next question? Question. Wow. Our next was, Chris. I don't even know. I guess cause I'm Chris. <laughs> what's our next Chris? <laughs> our next Christian. Yeah. You answer this uh, one though first. It's your turn. Okay. So this one comes from bidding a Brit. Oh, wait, wait, no. It comes from shank piece says for a weekend hobbyist what is the best cost efficient dust collection system i've been using a wet vac dust collection bag but they get full too fast yeah now i'm back to uh just getting dust everywhere and using a broom and a dust pan working so outside say, <laughs> yeah for <real>. uh, what <laughs> working outside oh yeah I, that was, yeah that's the first thing i thought just move outside that's let mother nature be your dust collection i think you're the only um, one with a proper dust collection system so i think no, it's perfect that you're well, answering it first <laughs> so i have a big 220 volt three horsepower one mm-hmm. from grizzly but i know grizzly and some other companies they do make one horsepower ones that run off 110 so you don't need to do any electrical upgrades and you might not have the space for them because they do have not a large but they do take up some you know a footprint on your on your floor um they're usually on wheels so you can roll them around that's what i do i just roll mine around from piece to piece as i need to um, but they also make wall mounted ones that won't have as large of a capacity but they'll still be pretty strong in collecting dust i think one of the big things is no matter how good of a vacuum you get you're still gonna run into bottlenecks so like for me one of the big places that i have trouble collecting dust is at the miter saw, which I'm not sure if anybody has a real great solution for collecting dust on a miter saw. Like, I don't know. you know, I've, <laughs> I've built like a little hood behind mine and I, I hook my, my festool vacuum up to it. And then I built like another thing where I can put my four inch hose that comes off the back of the blade and I cut one thing and it still gets dust everywhere. Yeah. You know, I'm probably capturing 90% of it, but that thing just throws up so much dust. It's impossible to get it all. And then like on the table saw, I think part of it has to do with I don't know what your guys feeling is, but when I'm filming, I don't want to have things getting in the way of it. So I don't want it like a dust collection thing that's on top of the blade. Mm. If it was a workshop, you know, and I was producing cabinets or something, I might feel different about that. But yeah, so you're never going to have like this perfect solution, especially if you're looking for the most cost efficient way, but you can get one of those. I would look into one of those wall mounted things, or if you have space for it, like a one horsepower one that has a four inch hose on it and just see what's out there. There might be a good solution for you. I made a pretty, uh, I don't know what you call it, low effort attempt at dust collection like a year ago. I made a little cart is essentially where you have a shop vac and then one of those dust separator things like cyclones. Yeah. That's kind of like the mediator between the two. It gets 90% of the dust before it hits the shop vac. That way you don't have to change it out so much. So for, I don't remember the person's name, but for this particular person, if you're already kind of using the shop vac system idea, maybe that is a good solution for you yeah personally though i haven't used it a ton i pretty much only use it whenever i have the planner out and i'm going to use it quite a bit um but yeah because like you said with a chop saw with a table saw especially like a job site table saw it's pretty much impossible to catch all that dust so i just have a big broom 
<laughs> yeah, I, d- I just go outside if it's going to be something that's time consuming. Mm-hmm. If it's something that's going to be short um, on my on the ceiling of my loft, I have like these tracks uh, that uh, have curtains on them. So the curtains go all the way flush to the roof or the ceiling of the loft. And so I can basically tent off all these sections of my shop. And then from there, the dust sort of stays in those. And the, the curtains are actually made out of parachute fabric. Oh, okay. So they're like very impervious. So the dust just falls right off of them or I can just vacuum them. Um, so I just sort of, if I am going to do a little bit of stuff in time, cause it's like snowing outside or something, uh, I'll just close off those curtains around the area. It's a, it's a dust containment solution, not dust, dust exactly. collection system. <laughs> I like but it. What, one thing I, I do need to be more diligent about is wearing more of, uh, you know, some sort of dust, uh, mask or respirator or something like that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't, I don't always do it. Um, the one thing that, cause I just hate, they're so scratchy and annoying, um, I just feel like I'm just making like a swamp around my face and just like <laughs> yeah yeah I just get tired of breathing uh, my keep own that breath female after audience. a while yeah <laughs> yeah but I did get these new like they're like in between a face shield and safety glasses so I was watching that show Westworld and yep. like the people that were like fixing up like the the, the robots spoiler alert um, <laughs> they wear these really cool like futuristic looking. Uh, safety uh, face guards. I was like, I want a cool, futuristic-looking safety face guard. So I was just like googling around, like, where do you get those things from Westworld? And <laughs> I, I found, I found them um, and ordered them. And they're kind of awesome because they, they, they're obviously not taking the place of any sort of uh, uh, dust, you know, uh, inhalation protective gear. But they shield off just a lot of it without having something that's really like clamped around your mouth. Oh, okay. Um, so I'll, I'll post a picture of one. Uh, I'll I'll do a safety gears uh, a selfie and, and post it on our <laughs> Instagram channel. Yeah, that's kind of cool. So it's like a it's kind of like a full face shield almost. Yeah, but it's but it but it goes onto your face like uh, like safety glasses. Oh. So there's space between it and your face, and it's not like this whole stupid thing strapped around your head. Okay. Yeah, that sounds actually pretty pretty convenient. I like it. Yeah. So. That's my dust con- uh, collection, but uh, if I if I ever do sort of get like a full wood sh- wood shop, which uh, may happen eventually, then you know I'll probably install like a very professional system. Yeah. All right, ready for the next one? Oh, we're ready. All right, this one comes in from Bidding Abridged. He says, "Each of you give the other two one piece of constructive criticism. Okay. What is something you'd like to see them do more?" or do less of, etc. This can be in regards to making or content creation slash video production. So I don't know. Do you guys already have some? Okay. You already have some. Uh, For, for Chris, I would like to definitely see you sort of uh, get, you know, incorporate other materials. Um, I think Mm -hmm. with your sort of the, the, your sort of design abilities and uh, levels of precision, I think I'd like to actually see you work with like much cheaper materials, uh, so you can two by fours. Uh, <laughs> no. Well, I think I think that's like that actually, uh, s- you know, showed some. Like I, th- I think you're you fall into like a pattern of how you think. Uh, like that's a good thing because your stuff's awesome. But if you were to sort of like branch out or sort of broaden, uh, I would say like if you if you keep going to where you're going for like another year or two, I think you'll have like a whole sort of outfit of this really nice, amazing looking furniture pieces. Yeah. But I think eventually you'll get to the point where both from a content standpoint and also from a creative standpoint, where you're going to want a little bit of diversity, where it'll yeah. start feeling like just more designs with the same techniques. Um, 
So I would say for you, I'd actually like to see you start using cheaper materials. Um, and then I thought the two by four bench was great, but you were still trying to, right? like, I think if you did like 10 projects in a row with like two by fours and plywood, you would sort of work out those sort of kinks of trying to make them into your nice materials right. um, and start to use them for what they are. So that would be my, it's not really a critique, it's just a suggestion that, that I would like to see because uh, I think I'd get some good ideas from what you do creatively. And then Mike, it's almost the opposite. Uh, I think some of, uh, some of your most interesting projects are when you take like on like a big material challenge. Like I loved uh, the power carving one. Mm. I think that was just such, a, it was just an amazing piece. And the, uh, when I look through all your stuff and thumbnails, it's one where, you know, I think there's a much stronger d- draw to click on it. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's visually all your, you know, your other ones are all awesome, but I can sort of like, like, so let's say the mirror, for example, uh, this is just a critique coming from me because I Listen, know a you don't, about making you don't stuff. have to do the, like, you don't right. have to do the okay, there's there's a great guy. I, Gloves are yeah, off. He's a wonderful guy, but <laughs> I look at the, I look at the mirror one and I'm like, okay, I know how I yeah. made that. And I don't really feel like the need to, to click it. Whereas I see something where it's, it's that. So, I think something that would be, I thought your greenhouse project was amazing. Okay. And I'd like to see more things like that, that are kind of like bigger. Out of my comfort zone a little bit. Right. Because you're very rational and you're very efficient. So you, uh, and, and you're not, a, you know, you're clearly not afraid to try those sort of bigger sort of, you know, things that are outside of your zone. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see like more stuff like that, um, uh, sort of like bigger projects with more sort of unusual and sort of higher end materials. I would love to see you get like, you know, an old antique and do something really cool. Oh, with okay. It. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Cool. You want me to go next? Go for it. Yeah. Sure. All right. So I know Mike told us not to do this, but I, I got to do my little, my little preamble <laughs> yeah, I know. here. So <laughs> yeah. this comes from a place of love. So know that, and you know, I, I, you guys are the best and everything, but Ben, I would <laughs> like to see you. I would like to see you stop being such a conda fucking sending pretentious <laughs> asshole. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, obviously. No, so for for Ben, what I would like to see is um project-wise, I think you 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 knock the ball out of the park. Like, you know, I think you're one of the most creative people in our space in the way you that bet, you, you bet approach your things. Sweet ass, I <laughs> But I think I would like to see more variety and in like angles that you use and detail shots. So more of like a video production point of view, which I know probably goes against the way that you work because you really like to like bang it out and not concentrate on other things while you're working. But maybe maybe you can like once you get bigger, then you can get like a second person in there to just like worry about all that stuff. And you can focus on on just the, the, the building aspect of it. Yeah. For Mike. Um, so I really liked like this guitar video that you did and the egg table video where you kind of broke out a little bit from, from your normal routine. And so I would like to see you just even push that envelope a little further. Okay. Maybe just, you know, get it to the edge of, cause I, I would think that, I don't know if you got any negative feedback from it, but I would think like you're not abandoning anything that far that people are going to be like, wait, this is not what I signed up for. Oh no. Yeah. And I think if you like deviate for like an episode or a week, and then come back to something mm-hmm. a little more familiar the next week, then, you know, that kind of satisfies right. anybody that's like, ooh, I didn't like last week, but it kind of gets them back on board the next week or something like that. But yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think that you could probably even push it a little further. Okay, um, like what? It, it, you know, just interject personality and like other 
other parts of you more like you okay. know you got to show off some music stuff this time and in the egg one how you showed it was like had like a little mix of like vlogging and yeah. and a uh, a build so i don't know i thought that was just like a, a nice change of pace awesome okay cool and i would say with the the with the i think an interesting way to absorb these sort of uh these suggestions is Obviously, there's reasons why we all do things the way that we do. Uh, you know, either it's it's because we're we're catering to a specific ability, or because it's part of our business model. So, obviously, any of these suggestions aren't saying, "Hey, what you're doing is wrong; you should change it." But what I think is really cool is, and this is something I'm trying to do more of, is actually scheduling. So. So much of scheduling when you're getting started in a business or something is trying to figure out how to be more efficient so you can raise your production levels and get to the point where you're making enough money to live. And then when you get to enough, uh, get to the point where you're making enough to live, you then try to sort of scale the business up. So there's so much focus on making things into routine and being efficient. That, that very process from the business side, that motivation towards efficiency can lead to sort of creative uh, uh, sort of stalemates. Repetition, right. yeah. Right. So it's almost, I think, at, at this point where we're all sort of, you know, think our channels are all growing. Uh, we see potential in this and we know that we're going to get value out of this endeavor. The challenge now is about scheduling in variances to try to make new discoveries. Yeah, exactly. And But without disrupting the efficiency that we've already established because we've all figured out how to grow our channels, you know, the way that we're currently doing it. So... For me, it's like I was, I've been trying to figure out, okay, is this something I'm going to do like quarterly? Like every three months, I try some different type of experiment. Is this something where I try it, you know, once or twice a year? Um, you know, and so, you know, right now I'm sort of looking at two or three projects for the second half of this year uh, where they're completely different from things that I've done before. They're things that are going to be met for uh, museum galleries and not necessarily for home. Oh, yeah. How is um, that going? How's that coming along? It's it's well, they're not done yet. So <laughs> right. I th- I think the ideas are pretty exciting. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know what's exciting is is that uh, I feel pretty confident when I have a furniture design idea that oh I know how to make it. I'm going to execute it, and I know the people on the channels that I publish it on are probably going to mostly like it, <laughs> and they're going to tell me I'm awesome, and that feels good, and that's a little a nice little congratulatory loop that grows my business and makes me feel good about myself sharing ideas. Right. But what I, what's kind of scary and exciting is that I'm like, ooh, I'm going to do like a show in like an art gallery and people are going to come to it that don't know who I am or haven't seen the videos. And can I do stuff that interests them, not in like a functional way, but just interests them with without sort of my background story? And I think that's similar to, you know, if, if you're a stand up comedian uh, and you're really famous, a lot of people will go to the show ready to laugh because they know that they already like you and (laughs) they're like in a jovial mood. So this for me is sort of like doing stand-up comedy in a room where nobody knows you. So (laughs) it's like, you're the opener. (laughs) So it's exciting. Um, but yeah, so that's one way is like, now I'm trying to schedule in a few times a year, these kind of different types of challenges where it's a different context, but still using my abilities uh, to make and design. Sweet. All right. I got to give you my critiques now, Chris, here's mine. Yes. I don't know, even know if it's a criticism. It's not a criticism. I think all of us are kind of like almost throwing out like what we think would be cool for each other's channel. 
Something yeah. that I think would what? be really cool for your Chris, yours, Chris. Wear, wear contacts. Yeah. Then <laughs> <No. laughs> I just got there goes two the eyes. Logo. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There goes the name. But uh, <laughs> what I would suggest, which I or just a video, I think would be really cool. Is I know you've got like before you started YouTube, you were heavy on commissions. That was basically all your woodworking was commission based. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming like 90% of the emails you get from people are like, hey, I want to start building commissions. I don't know how to go about pricing. I don't know how to go about finding customers. I don't know how about doing yeah. all of this. And I don't like I don't want you to do like a I'm sitting in front of the camera and I'm doing like a Q&A about commissions. What I think would be super awesome is if it has to be a 15 minute video, it has to be a 20 minute video. So be it. But a video to where from the time someone contacts you about getting a piece done yeah. through the finished result, like, hey, like even if it's like a little vloggy in a way where it's like, OK, I just got this email. It's from a dude named Chris. And obviously, they have yeah, to make so, sure if he's okay with the whole process. But like, literally, take someone from conception to finished piece, and yeah. like, talk about like how you're pricing, what you're doing, talking about the back and forth between you and a customer, all that kind of stuff. Right. I think that would be really cool, and I think a lot of people would benefit from that a lot. Yeah, I really like that idea. I think that's an excellent mm-hmm. idea. Yeah, it kind of feels like it would be like a, a mini pilot for like a type of show exactly. or something. No, yeah. yeah. Um, Even I think it would be really awesome if like when you go and meet the person, bring a third person to like run the camera so you can interact really naturally. But we kind of just get that TV angle, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I, I kind of did a little bit of that minus the third person. But like with, with the barbs. second video that I put out, the, yeah, Pam. Pam. Pam's Pam coffee table. <laughs> yeah. Barb Pam. Barb Pam. Um, yeah. But I, I didn't include any of, like, the business yeah. side of things. It was mm-hmm. more just about, like, the... Which, I mean, I guess would probably be helpful for some people. Um, but, yeah, it would be... You'd have to probably produce it in a slightly different way. But, yeah, that that would I be think a cool it would idea. Be, in addition to helpful, I think it would be interesting even to the people that don't want to do that. Like, when you look at these yeah. sort of, like, real estate shows and stuff, even if people aren't interested in buying a home in those towns, they like to see the numbers because it provides sort of context. Yeah. They right. like to see what things cost and, you know, what sort of margins are and how you go about planning that. So, yeah, it would be helpful, but I think it would also just be interesting. I don't think you should do it for every video, but I think you should definitely do it at least once or twice. When that opportunity presents itself, I'd, I'd definitely do something like that. I know uh, even from a selfish, self-serving point of view, it could uh, save me a lot of future emails. That's where what I was thinking, want too. something and they're expecting the price to be like 500 bucks or something like that. And it's like, eh, it's going to be a couple thousand dollars yeah. for something like that. And plus, like it, it can give you like a reference for when people want to know things. Be like, oh, I did a really in-depth video about like the whole breakdown about it. And, yeah. you know, you can save yourself some typing, I guess. Ben, I like it. I think my main thing is like, I feel like you need to just bring your person. You need to be on camera more like you like on camera, talking to the camera, looking at the like acknowledging the camera on camera. That's what it, I mean. I just feel like that's what you need to do. It would be real cool. Mm-hmm. It would bring you. You know what I mean? It would make you more of the like, I don't know, personality, you know, instead the of host. Yeah. Host. Kind of guy. As soon as I get my castle, I'll build a big wooden throne and then I'll <laughs> display. Just sit there and hold court. Yeah. You'll need to build a Game of Thrones chair. <laughs> well, it's funny because when we when we first started the podcast and we were kind of like divvying up different roles that we would pay, play, I kind of said like, oh, Mike, you should be like the host of it because it, it, just from like watching our videos, I always thought you had that kind of just like hosty personality. I don't know. <laughs> and I don't know. Is that like something that you're you're born with like because ben do you like how would you feel about doing that would you just be like i'm just not comfortable doing that or you just don't want to do it or what no i mean i i can do it like uh i i just don't like it yeah <laughs> uh yeah you know it's like i'm 
I'm pretty comfortable speaking in public. I've done a lot of on-camera stuff for digital video and a little bit of TV stuff. It's just the... And I wouldn't say it's not even something that doesn't come naturally to me. It's just something where I, uh, I'll i get a little bit sort of annoyed with myself for doing it uh, <laughs> for, for the thing. So it's something where I'm not comfortable with like the, the, the artifice of it, I guess I would say. But yeah. that being said, with the with with the videos, the with the video stuff and speaking more on camera, yeah, that that is something I'm considering. Yeah. I'll probably do it as more as things for my second channel um, and sort of experiment with there until I have like a sort of a rock solid format that I then bring back over to the first channel. Yeah. Um, and I know you were talking about uh, doing kind of like a quarterly, like not vlog, but maybe like update or kind of like thing that you yeah. know, here's what's been going on outside of, you know, just the videos. Even something like that, I think would be really cool. Just something to kind of like let people connect to you a little bit. I mean, obviously, I think the podcast is doing that a lot as well. You know, kind of like letting you into pe- letting people into your live a little bit. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, kind of just reaching out and doing that a little bit more on YouTube, I think would be really cool. I think so. Sweet. It's Good funny because all like any listen, guys, you're great uh, people though. I love you. We you're love great everybody. People. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to that one last thing. So, anytime that I try to do that on camera, like I just cannot be myself. Like, if I had almost like one wish for something that's very realistic, I wish that I could be who I am in front of any group of people or audience or mm-hmm. whatever. It's just I can't do it. But like Mike, knowing or getting to know you a little bit, like I feel like you're the exact same person when we talk on the podcasts as I see on YouTube. Like, do you think it is that who you are, would you say? Or do you feel like you? I feel like I'm pretty close. The only thing is I feel like I talk a little bit quieter (laughs) when I'm not in front of a camera or in front of. I don't know. I have this weird thing where it's like, hey, guys, can you hear me on video? (laughs) It's like, especially if the camera is like 10 feet away, I got to like make sure it hears me. And I do it totally without thinking about it. Like I'll go to editing a video. I'll be like, dang, why am I yelling? And I get those (laughs) comments all the time. It's like, you ain't got to yell, bruh. But (laughs) which is something that like I kind of keep in mind or I try to keep in mind a little bit is like, all right, they're in the room with you. You're talking to them and and, like they're next to you. But yeah, I'd say I'm pretty, pretty similar. I think I try to be at least. Awesome. What's the next question? Next one comes in from Big Campster says, and this one's going to be for the two of you more than me, says, I have a question about a Ryobi table saw. Ooh, you can't do the right place. (laughs) And and I'm going to, I'm going to do it in his accent. So he says, I I've seen a couple of y'all's use Ryobi table saws. <laughs> That's what he wrote. Yeah. And I was wondering if Sounds you had like ideas on how... to the woods. Uh, yeah, y'all. Yeah. Um, see, I wonder if you had ideas on how to make a jig for that table. Mm. It would be easy slash easier to build one of those little ledge... One of those little ledges in the... I don't know. In the guide valley. He's saying... I don't know exactly what he's saying, but I guess he's saying he can't build it because there's a ledge in some kind of guide Let valley. Let me tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So on the on the miter slot, the little... Like, yeah, miter slot. The thing you like you use to track any kind of like cross-cut sled or, you know, any sled you have okay. for your table saw. On these Ryobi table yeah. saws, I don't know why they do it, but they have a little... Like, a, like it's a little pop-out to where... It keeps the, in the bottom or uh, on the top. I'm gonna look it, it makes, up. Yeah, it's okay. really it's really easy if you see a picture to understand it. Essentially, what it does is it makes it to where once you have like your miter gauge into that slot, it can't come out of it. It keeps it from oh, popping like a out. Key slot. Mm-hmm. And to my knowledge, I think I think Christiana from Get Hands Dirty at some point 
had to like work around that and she just got it's called a bastard file but just a flat file and just filed it smooth to where it's just like a normal miter slot um so i've considered doing that because i've thought about maybe making a little cross cut sled at some point or a uh like a spline jig but i haven't done it yet but i keep saying but sorry I'm self-conscious about that. That's my word this week. <laughs> but. Yeah. Trade it in like for but. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But. I guess that's the solution. Get a file. File that smooth. And then you can make any kind of jig you want. I think I'm seeing it. It looks like a little, like, I don't know, hourglass shape type thing where it's coming in in a couple spots. Yep. Mm-hmm. It just makes it to where once okay. you have the miter slot into that groove, it can't pop out or move pop out vertically yeah i mean it's a good safety feature for like a beginner saw i guess i can see where Mm -hmm. it sort of makes sense but once you get into actual like real deal woodworking it it is like an it's a it's a bad feature or something yeah the way way i would the way i would look at it the i mean one it doesn't bother me but i also hardly ever use like sleds on a table saw uh and it's it's a contractor table saw so it's you know it's not really meant for Mm -hmm. fine woodworking Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but the the one sort of feature that I sort of uh, uh, do to sort of, or to modify my setup is what I like about the table saw is that it's really lightweight, and since I don't have a dedicated workshop, I'm always bringing the table saw out of a closet to set up. And so, what I like is that it's a table saw that probably weighs about thirty five, forty pounds. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, about I that? mean, it's- yeah, I pick mine up and carry it around all the time. I move it all over my shop because same kind of with you is I have that one wall that I like to film against that white wall. Right. And I just kind of move my tools to it. And yeah, I just pick mine up and move it all the time. So what I like is that it's really lightweight. But when you're pushing a whole sheet of plywood, you know, a four foot by eight foot sheet of plywood across it, it can kind of move the saw because it's not that super heavy kind of cast iron base. Mm-hmm. Um so the one sort of modification I think is cool is making some sort of weights that strap around the whatever you set it on or the, the base of it. And it has some slots in it so you can bolt it down to stuff too. So for me, the the, the modification that I, that I like for it is making a quick way uh, in your setup that you can bring it out of storage, set it up, and then attach some sort of weight to it so that it gets anchored down. So when you run those sheets of plywood across, um, it's nice. But I have like this whole setup in my sort of like downstairs closet where I'll, uh, I'll set that up and have a couple like pop out individual roller stands. Oh yeah. And it, it takes me like five minutes to set it up. And I got like a whole, you know, station ready for ripping down sheets of plywood pretty quick. Yeah. I also really like those. They're basically like big assembly tables where they'll put the table saw in kind of the back corner and use that whole thing as like uh, an extension to the side and as an outfeed table as well. Uh, I've kind of considered making one of those too. So yeah. But disclaimer, uh, Mike and I are both sponsored by Rayo. Yeah, so I'm not, <laughs> I don't have anything bad to say, but I don't know. It, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about him. The only thing I would say is whenever you buy it out of the box, double check everything is square. And I mean, I guess you should do that with any saw you buy, but just make sure everything's square and aligned where it needs to be before you start using it. Yep, and I think with all table saws, if you're if you're on a budget and you're going with the more sort of affordable option, uh, then definitely uh, spend. If you're going to spend less on the saw, uh, spend maybe a little bit more on the blade. Then yeah, <laughs> and keep yeah. fresh blades on. Yeah, and you can get you can get pretty good performance out of an inexpensive saw if you keep sharp blades. Yeah, on. and I think that's kind of all around with tools. Anything with yeah. the blade. That, yeah, and also I don't know what the top is like, but like if I keep my obviously it's a different table but if i keep mine nice and waxed it's i've never waxed so mine, different really. 
Oh, it makes such a huge difference in how use? much like just pressure t- like it turtle wax. Johnson's paste wax. Oh, okay. No, just go. Yeah, like they have it at Home Depot. It's in a yellow jar. It looks kind of like a, a bigger can, probably than what turtle wax comes in. But you just basically rub it on, let it sit there until it hazes up for a few minutes. Then I just get like a microfiber cloth and actually. We'll put that, put a couple, like fold it over a couple times and put my sander on it and then just like let it pull up all the wax like that. It makes it so much easier to slide stuff through. And like even the the problem that Ben was talking about, you'd probably still have it with a four by eight sheet of plywood, but it really glides across the table. So it'd be a lot less likely to want to like tip the saw over and stuff. It makes a huge difference. One of those valuable tips you pick up from doing a podcast with people. (laughs) Yep, yep. I like it. I'm going to try that out. a, A can costs like five bucks and it'll last you like... 20 years so right. <laughs> not a big investment all right sweet what's our next right, question so, uh next how many one more do we got comes from two, two more. more okay two more this one comes from robert and he says given the choice of anyone in the world and I'll, i'm going to add in dead or alive so let's make this the hypothetical also now let's make it alive i hate the dead yeah. ones because okay. it's just like right, it alive. gets too crazy <laughs> too many options alive or okay whom would you want to have as a dinner guest uh, I'll go okay. first. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously it would be like, you know, from a self-serving standpoint, it'd be somebody like, oh, the head of programming for Netflix or something like that. So let, let, I'm going to throw out those ones and just somebody that I think would be the, an interesting person to talk to, regardless of how they could help my career or stuff like right, that. Right. So, yeah, I think that's the angle. Th- throwing out the sort of self-serving part or like who would be the most impressive, but just who would I be interested to talk to? Uh, I think it would be Anthony Bourdain. Hmm. Um, he's someone that I've... I've one. He has an intense knowledge base in travel and food. Uh, I've traveled a lot, and so I think I could connect with him on that point. But I haven't. I don't have that sort of expertise of how food is is produced and and prepared. Um, he seems like an awesome guy. And then the other thing is that he's gone through this whole content creation journey uh, from a very different perspective. So I like his work. I think he has sort of like an uh, integrity. I like that, like, you know, even in his uh, later years, he's like picking up habits like jujitsu and stuff like that. So he's always been someone I found really interesting and he would be my option. Also, we're going to be eating food, so <laughs> he would have a good recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. Let's add in what would you guys eat? Oh, whatever he suggests. There you go. That's okay. a good, that's a, his yeah. call. I would, I would probably uh, hang out with Steve Carell. I think he's like the funniest okay. guy in the world. I, he's like, hilarious and like we're throwing away all the self-serving parts so just like yeah. i think it, granted i don't know how well i could connect with steve carell but just kind of like the idea of it would be very awesome the office is the best show ever made pretty much everything everything <laughs> he's involved with is great for the most part so yeah so we can do that's more that's what she said yes <laughs> <laughs> chris what are you guys eating oh, Mike, yeah what said. are we eating oh gosh um, just a cup of ramen, just a bowl of noodles, <laughs> <laughs> like it's lunch right. at the office. For me, it is Cindy Crawford circa 1993. There we go. <laughs> no. no, I would choose, um, I'd go for Adam Carolla because okay. first off, I think he's super funny. Uh, he's used to be a carpenter, so we could talk about oh, all that kind of true, stuff. Yeah. He's really into cars and I've, I'm, I've always been really into cars. Um, so I think we'd have a lot of stuff to joke around about and to talk about. And I've just been a fan of listening to him since I was like a freshman in high school. So it'd be cool to meet him. Um, and we would eat Chicago style deep dish pizza. Nice. I like For it. any reason, particularly. 
It's just good. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can't argue with that. I just like it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> All right. So next question comes from Derek. This is the last Shout question. Shout out Derek. Derek. Last but not says, least. Yep. Says, I've been woodworking seriously for a couple years and just we just bought our first joiner. Mm. We got an eight inch spiral head grizzly and man, is it awesome. <laughs> I feel like it is up to the quality of our work substantially and we should have bought it a long time ago. What is a new tool you've purchased that made you say, man, why didn't I buy this sooner? Okay, first off, jealous. I want a joiner. I don't even, I don't have like <laughs> space for a joiner. I wouldn't use a joiner all the time, but for when I would use a joiner, man, it would come in so much handy, like on a, on a big panel glue up. But uh, yeah. I think one of the biggest things that I, it was just a planer. Uh, cause mm-hmm. I had for a long time I had been doing, you know, panel glue ups with one by sixes, one by eights, even like two by eights even. And when you're trying to get something real nice and flat, just getting, just getting the cup out of boards is so right. much like it helps so much in a large glue up. Not to mention it just makes two, like if you, you know, we've talked about this plenty of times, but if you get rid of those rounded edges, a planner is a really easy way to do it. And it just, just the visual, uh, your project looks like it looks immediately twi- twice as expensive. Exactly. Yeah. Just the, the visual, uh, I don't even, uh, value. Yeah. I don't know what the word is, but yeah, it just makes it look so much nicer. So yeah, planner was the big aha moment when I bought a tool. I, th- I think it's also one of those things that it opens up a lot of possibilities in terms of being able to dimension things that, that there's not really any other good way to do it. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's been, uh, much simpler. It's been, switching out my saw blades yeah so mm-hmm. uh it's something that i've always heard that advice i've even given the advice without following it <laughs> but i recently switched out all my saw blades with uh with diablo blades Diablo's not a sponsor i just those were the ones i bought mm-hmm. and they've been amazing uh in particular with all the plywood projects i had switching to a specialty plywood blade i was like why why didn't i do this before i, like, do that. I was like yeah i was so one of the things that uh, that I'm going to be doing this weekend is uh, I'm reorganizing my tools. And, you know, I, I realize not everyone's in this position to have uh, tool sponsorships. So, you know, I get a lot of free tools, which is awesome. Uh, shout out to Ryobi. Uh, but I'm going to have different uh, circular saws set up with different blades on them. Yeah, that's so, really cool. Because I was about to ask you how those the, the plywood blades perform cutting two by fours and stuff like that. They work fine, yeah. but it's still nice to have, like, if I was ripping a 2x4, not that you'd be ripping a 2x4 often, right. I think that uh, it, it won't be as fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so yeah, so I would say just keeping fresh, sharp, specialty blades on your circular saw tools, on your, your miter saws and all those things, it, and your table saws for sure, uh, those are things, whenever I do switch them out, I know it's a pain to look for those weird wrenches <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, but when you do it, it makes everything cut and work so much better. And it's, it's one of those things that whenever I do do it, I go, why didn't I do this sooner? Yeah. Yep. For me, this one is, so this is kind of a future one. I actually haven't bought it yet. And so it's kind of a hope that this will be a, why didn't I buy this sooner moment? And that's, uh, an HVLP finish sprayer. So I hate finishing, which I think everybody does. And that's why you get like so many questions about, everyone's looking for that secret way of how to finish something. And like, if I compare what I'm doing now to when I used to sell pieces of furniture, 
the place where I cut the most corners now is in finishing because it really doesn't make a difference for the video. And by the time I've gotten to that point, it's just kind of like, all right, I'm done. I'm over it. Let's, let's just throw a couple coats on and get this thing out of here. I feel like if this worked good and was time efficient, it would make for such better finished products. And from what I've read in most people's account, like it seems like it's a game changer. Once you actually like say, all right, I'm going to learn about this stuff and I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's something that I've been kind of wanting to do for a while, just haven't pulled the trigger. But yeah, I'm hoping that it's a game changer for me. Are you going to spray most of that stuff in the garage? Like, is it? Yeah, I mean, it, I guess it probably depends on the time of the year, but um, and the size of it. I mean, there's nothing really in my garage that can't handle getting spray on it. That's what I, I was kind of thinking. Yeah, you know, I'll just like throw throw. I already keep towels over most of like my metal, like my table saw and my joiner and all that. I just always throw a towel over it when I'm not using it. And right. actually somebody asked me about that the other day and I was like, is it a bad thing? I don't know. I just, I just throw them <laughs> It just became yeah. habit for it's me. It's what I do. It's what I do, man. Let yeah. me be me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my deal. Cool. 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 Did you already settle on like a certain sprayer? Nah, I'll, I'll look into it. Yeah. All right. Sweet. So, uh, should we do a, we're already running kind of long. Should we just do obsessed real quick? I think so. I mean, right. those were like, f- at least five of those were hypothetical questions. So I think we yeah. met our quota. <laughs> yeah, so definitely. Yeah. What are we obsessed with? Can I go first? Sure. I'm obsessed with cooking. I uh, I started, you know, I'm trying to get into like summer shape, you know, ready for the lake and whatnot. <laughs> get that summer buff. Yeah. So I started, uh, I started like a ketogenic diet, which is essentially, oh, yeah. it's very yeah. similar yeah. to Atkins. It's essentially like cutting out as many carbs as you can which makes it to where you pretty much can't eat out. So I've cooked every meal now for the past 10 days, I think, maybe 12. And A, the diet's working great. I've lost like 12 pounds in 12 days. So that's working awesome. Really? Yeah. Nice. And then, uh, but no, the food is just awesome. And it's a lot of fun. Like it's yeah, a great- you're just eating like steaks and greens. I know. I'm eating the best, like the past couple of weeks, I'm eating better than ever because I'm eating steaks chicken and all this stuff on like the same amount of money i'd be spending at fast food so i'm a fan it kind of lets you be creative too because you get to kind of just dump ingredients and dump spices and whatnot whenever you want to and just be creative so yeah it's really easy it's not as hard as you would think 90 percent of what i'm cooking is literally all like i'm cooking meals in like one pan so it doesn't it doesn't have to be expensive it doesn't have to be tough and you can make some really cool stuff really really easy so if you're young or old, I guess, and you haven't cooked, do it. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's, it, I'm glad you brought that up because that's like, like uh, I've been following the sort of research on on that topic, and uh, definitely people should do their own research. We're not nutrition or, yeah. or, or experts. It also seems that uh, it it the reaction to that diet varies very differently between people with different genetics, which is obvious. Um, but uh, no, it's, it, it's informally without it sort of knowing it. That's always how I've sort of eaten over the last, you know, you know, 15, 20 years or so, uh, ever since I've you know been pretty much on, uh, on, on my own. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, that's for me, it was always just about minimalism more than anything. Yeah. It's like, well, these are the things that I like. These are the things that are most nutrient dense. Uh, so I'll just cut out a lot of the filler, like a lot of the, the bread mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I still eat a little bit of rice and stuff like that. But for the most part, I eat uh, a little bit of meat, mostly green vegetables, um, an occasional like piece of fruit and 
uh, and we'll definitely fuck with some dessert. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, for sure. But you know, I, I sort of do this sort of 80, 80, 20 rule of, of mostly sort of healthy and then primarily sort of just lots of green vegetables. And I just look at it as like a way of like, once you, I, I feel like the key to the whole thing is figuring out how to cook vegetables in a way that you like. Once you figure that I'm out, still working on you just that. eat, <laughs> right. You just eat like more of that. Yeah. And that replaces a lot of other things and that makes everything else go really, go really well. But no, it's funny. Like I, I've been pretty much the same weight since I've been 18 mm-hmm. um, to, so for the last 20 years. And I think a lot of it's to do with that. I, I just eat pretty simply. Yeah. And I think the, the main thing I've been missing is pasta. I just want like, I don't know what it is. I just been craving some like spaghetti or like fettuccine Alfredo or something like that. But what? Because like, you found out you were Italian. Exactly. Well, yeah, for real. <laughs> so that Damn Western ancestry. European in me. But uh, but yeah, once I get down to like the weight that I want to be and everything, like I'm going to reintroduce carbs and just kind of be like a normal diet and just eat healthier than, you know, than average. But yeah, that and then I'm still trying to figure out how to cook vegetables in a good way. So what I've just been doing is making a bunch of green smoothies, and that's how I'm kind of getting the yeah. majority of my of my vegetables right now. Uh, aside from yeah, like, as long as, you don't, as long as you don't put too much fruit in them, I don't put any fruit in them. Yeah, I know because that was something I figured. out. Or I put a little bit of berries. I'll put some strawberries in there because they're they're real mm-hmm. low on carbs. But uh, yeah, this isn't a diet uh, podcast. I feel like we digressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, what are you obsessed with? I, I, sound, I sound like a, I think you should be getting a Blue Apron sponsorship. Somewhere. I know. <laughs> All of these fresh ingredients sent to my home <laughs> with ready-made recipes. No, for, Shout out to Blue Apron. I know. I have not tried Blue Apron, but I bet it would be dope. I'm joking it's about it. Awesome. But. <laughs> All He's right, down. Chris, you're up. For me, um, okay, so this one, I, I don't want to jinx myself. I hope it's not too early in the game, but um, a couple weeks ago, I think, we were talking about how I, how I wanted to do the base of the of the uh, modern Nelson Bench black, and so yes. I was thinking of different ideas, and I mentioned how stain did not work well. So Burn a couple it. people wrote into me, including Johnny Brook actually wrote me an email after he heard that one, and he said, try leather dye. So Ooh. I ordered a little bottle of leather dye that was like, I don't know, seven bucks or whatever off Amazon. This stuff works great. Like, Does it? I don't, it, it, I'm sure there are plenty of reasons, but while using it, I was like, why does stain exist? <laughs> like this stuff's so much better in terms of, especially for black, at least on maple, yeah. like it gets it pretty much exactly where you want it, where it's like not paint. Yeah. You know, it's not like making a coating over it where you can't mm-hmm. see anything through it. You can just still barely see the, uh, the the grain through it yeah because that's the problem with ebony stain is like the the yellow tones in certain parts of the wood just for whatever reason don't seem to get stained right yeah it's like it doesn't soak into some areas so maybe that's a difference maybe i don't know if this doesn't rely on things being as porous maybe and so it it is like a top slightly you know like a translucent coat or something um the only thing that I notice is that like in certain lights, there's not a, it's not a sheen to it. It's almost like a, um, like a metallic, I think they call it like bronzing that it has. So from certain angles, you'll kind of see that, but I've heard that like you can put different clear coats over it and that'll knock it off. But I mean, from the way that it looks right now, just with that, it it looks fine for me. So that's uh, something that I'll definitely experiment with more in the future. Dude, that's really cool to hear. Yeah. Whenever I was working on that firewood wreck, it was the same thing. It was like, wow, this ebony stain isn't working. I guess I'll, I'll burn it. But yeah, that's kind of cool to know that that works as well. Yep. Leather dye. All right. Ben round us out. So, 
So for me, it's it's going to be more of a of a shout out uh, to a friend of mine, Christian Dunbar. Um, he's a furniture maker. Uh, he's you can hit him up on Instagram at uh, Christian Dunbar Designer. Um, but the the reason why I say I've been, I've been reviewing all of his his work lately, so I've been looking at his whole sort of all the things he sort of designed and built over the last few years because um, he's coming up to visit and we're going to do some projects together and. Uh, I, I'm interested because he's he's coming from more of like you know he's he studied furniture and industrial design, um, uh, you know as as like his major. So he's coming from more of like this is how to do it, and his stuff is is pretty awesome. And he works with a lot of materials and tool types that I'm not familiar with. So for me, it's been more of like a, a research assignment of trying to think like, okay, what does he know how to do? What do I know how to do? And where's like the right way that we can sort of collaborate and make cool, make some cool yeah. stuff. Um, so I'll be definitely trying to sort of lend, uh, you know, my sort of knowledge base on digital media and a little bit of social media planning. And, you know, hopefully I'll pick up some tips from him about working with materials that I'm not used to. Uh, he's done some really cool lighting projects, which, which I, which I aspire to do more of and, not have the whole internet yell yeah. at me for my wiring. <laughs> I know for real, man. Lighting projects are uh, like that's the only reason that I don't want to do any is because I don't want the I don't want the backlash. Yeah. So check him out, Christian Dunbar Designer on Instagram. Awesome. And I'll put a link Sweet. to that in the description as well. Not a link, but I'll write it down that way you know you're yeah. spelling it right. Awesome. Cool. Nice. All right. So two two by four challenge. We're getting towards the end of it. Next Thursday is going to be like our wrap up episode. I think. I think that that yeah. one will come out on June 1st. So that'll be our wrap-up episode. Um, so if you're doing a project for it, finish it up and <laughs> let us know you built it. Otherwise, we won't know. Uh, that's hashtag 2, the word 2, 2 by 4 challenge. Tag at Modern Builds. If you're making a build video, uh, email us, DM us. However, you got to make sure we know that you made a video. That way we can share that as well. Um, I guess that's really about it unless you guys have anything else. Thank you guys, everybody, for the reviews, everyone that wrote one. If you want a sticker, write us a review, screenshot it, and send it to our email or DM us your address. DM me because I'm going to be the one filling out all the envelopes. I don't know. I might be getting myself into way more than I – like I might have bitten off way more than I want to chew by like offering this. But (laughs) hopefully you guys – enjoyed this episode it ran long again we actually got a couple emails saying that they liked that people enjoyed the long format so if you hate it let us know too we need to hear both sides and uh yeah that's about it guys thanks for listening and we'll see you on saturday with a one-on-one it is chris and the one the real mark spagnolo that's it (laughs) we'll see you next week bye everybody later i struggled on that outro (laughs) that was good You you nailed it all right